You're listening to the Hope Assembly podcast with Pastor Ryan Day. For more information, you can visit us online at hopeassembly.org. Please enjoy this week's sermon. Part four of our series, Pentecost. And today we're going to talk about um, the accuser and the advocate. So we've been talking about this idea of the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is, the third person of the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit dwells within us, that on the day of Pentecost, that's what we celebrate in Acts chapter two, that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the power that we have as believers is in us because the Spirit resides within us. And then last week we talked about sort of the the life of the spirit that supersedes the life of sin and death, that the spirit of God allows us the ability to overcome this, the law of sin and death, that we have this victory now in this, with the spirit of God dwelling in us. And so today I'm going to share some texts that we've already read, uh, but I want to pull out a few particulars. But before I do that, I'm sure most of you have had this situation or a lot of you have had the situation. If you ever found yourself in a traffic court, um, don't tell on yourself too much here, but I know that I have found myself in traffic court. Um, let's say more than one occasion I've been in a traffic court. And uh, years ago, probably 15 plus years ago, uh, one stood out, one particular time stood out to me um, above the rest. I've never experienced a situation like this before in my life. So the backstory is this. Um, I was taking a group of students to Monarch in Colorado uh, to go skiing, a snowboarding skiing trip. And uh, we had rented a 15-passenger van, and we were coming down out of the mountains. And in coming down out of the mountains, we were uh, going maybe three or four miles an hour, literally three or four miles an hour over the speed limit um, into a small town. And apparently, we didn't know this, it's a speed trap. And so we got pulled over, or I got pulled over, um, by a police officer rolling into the small town in Colorado, just maybe an hour out from the mountain. And the police officer came up to me and did his normal, do you know why I pulled you over? No, sir, I did not know why you pulled me over. Well, you're going, you know, three miles over the speed limit. What are you in a hurry for? And then, you know, I explained to him, we're just taking these students snowboarding. Asked for my license, insurance, all that kind of stuff. I handed it off to him. Now, the day before or two days before, we had worked on, myself and one of my assistants had worked on making sure that everything was good to go because I had gotten a notification from Colorado that they had suspended my license, which was really a great big misunderstanding. They had claimed that, that New Mexico had a, an uh, unpaid ticket. And so because New Mex- I had an unpaid ticket in New Mexico, my license was suspended in Colorado. Long story short, it was a mix up. It was not true. I had ticket it had been taken care of and there was just a clerical error and I shouldn't have had a suspended license so we got it cleared up over the phone we had some paperwork printed out and they said you're good to go your license is cleared you do not have a suspended license needless to say now I'm sitting on the side of the road in a van full of students and I have been pulled over by a police officer who has my license in his hand and it is taking him a long time to come back up when he comes back up he informs me that my license is suspended And I explain to him that that's a misunderstanding. I show him the paperwork. He does not care about the paperwork. He takes my license from me, demands that I no longer drive, and writes me a significant ticket for driving on a suspended license and also speeding. Students are texting their parents and taking pictures. They think it's funny that the youth pastor has been pulled over and also is driving on a suspended license. Again, 
I was not driving on a suspended license. Weeks later, I go back to this small town, to the courthouse, to fight this ticket because, as I said, it was a healthy ticket and it was simply a clerical error and a misunderstanding that had already been taken care of. My turn came and I got up before the judge to explain my case and the judge asked me, Mr. Day, you've been charged with speeding and you've been charged with driving a suspended license. Do you plead innocent or guilty? And I said, well, sir, it's complicated. Um, I probably was speeding a couple miles over the speed limit, but I did not drive on a suspended license. That's a misunderstanding. And the judge looks at me and this is when I knew things got real. He looked at me and he said, you're either guilty or you're innocent. And if you're guilty, you're going to jail today for five days minimum for driving on a suspended license. I said, excuse me, sir. He said, if you're guilty, you're going to jail today. This is not something I had anticipated. I've been to traffic court a number of times and never had, I had a situation where in talking to the judge, I was being told that I potentially could be going to jail uh, for this traffic ticket. So I said, sir, again, I want to explain to you that I was probably speeding, but I was not driving a suspended license. And he said, he looked at me and he said, sir, young man, have you talked to the defense attorney that we have available to you? Have you talked to that person? I said, no, sir, I haven't talked to anybody. He says, I would suggest before you move any further in this case, you talk to the defense attorney, that you get some help from somebody who understands what's going on, and then you can come back and we can figure out what we do from there. Would you like that time? I said, yes, sir, please give me this moment. I go back to the back of the courtroom and there's a defense attorney in the back of the courtroom. And this defense attorney has my file all pulled up. She leans forward and she says to me, Mr. Day, everything that you said is true. It was a clerical error. You were not driving on a suspended license and nothing about this ticket is actually legitimate. So here's what I can do for you. If you would like to donate, I said that right, donate $50 to one of these uh, organizations. She shows me a list like Boys and Girls Club of America, list of organizations. If you would donate $50 to one of these organizations, everything goes away and you will be free and clear. I said, just $50? She said, yes, just $50. So I went across the street. I donated $50 to the Boys and Girls Club of America and got a receipt for that. Brought it back to this defense attorney. And she said, sir, everything is taken care of. Your, your fines are gone. The, the ticket's gone. Everything's cleared. You, you are good to go. Now, I think that I was being extorted in that moment or something like that, but I was kind of okay with it because $50 was not much to pay in regards to maybe going to jail for five days. But I've thought about that over and over again over the years that in that moment, I'm standing before the judge and he is threatening me with, with jail over this ticket, this misunderstanding. And in that moment, I needed help. I needed an advocate. I needed someone who could vouch for me, who could step in for me. And I didn't really know that I needed one. I had never seemed to need one at traffic court before, but in this moment, I needed one. And thankfully, the judge afforded me the opportunity to go speak with the public defender, with this lady who helped me. She advocated for my case and it cost me $50 and I got out of the deal. You might be saying, what does this have to do with anything? Well, as we said many times, I'm going to read here in the scripture many times. 
uh, or scriptures we've read many times now, that Jesus promises us a helper. And that word helper means advocate. And sometimes I'm not sure we get how desperately we need an advocate in our lives, how desperately we need the Holy Spirit to be our helper, our advocate. Now, let me read the scriptures and let's talk about this briefly this morning. John 14, verses 15 and 17, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He goes on to say, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. John chapter 14, verses 25 and 27. Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. John 15, verses 26 and 27. Jesus says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So Jesus, in just the two chapters here, 14 and 15, and he goes on to repeat it um, in 16. And, and later, uh, the Apostle John talks about the same word in, in 1 John or First or 2 John. He refers to the Holy Spirit as the helper. In particular, in verse 15, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. So it's as, as if Jesus is referring to himself first as a helper, which we know that he is because scriptures tell us that we have an advocate with the Father, which is speaking of Jesus. He says another helper. That word another means of the same kind. Jesus is promising that he's going to ask the Father to send the disciples or give the disciples another helper, a helper of the same kind. Again, we see the work of the Trinity here. Jesus saying the Holy Spirit, who is God like me and God like the Father, is going to come to be a helper with you. And I think it's important that we recognize that the Holy Spirit is not some imaginary friend. We don't refer to the Holy Spirit as it or uh, a higher power or some sort of influence. In doing so, we would um, eliminate the personhood of the Holy Spirit. And we don't want to eliminate the personhood of the Holy Spirit. So we don't refer to the Holy Spirit as some sort of thing, this imaginary friend or this higher power. No, the Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit is the very real presence of God with us and in us. And as Jesus said, just like him, a helper just like him, another just like him. And that word helper, I've alluded to this multiple times, and it's where we're going to spend most of our time today, if not all of our time today, breaking down what this means, this idea of an advocate, the Holy Spirit being our advocate. Again, sometimes I think we don't recognize how desperately we need 
an advocate. I stood in front of that judge thinking that all I have to do is just tell my story and he will let me off the hook. Little did I know I needed someone else to help me tell that story. I need someone to stand between me and the judge and uh, vouch for me and the facts behind us to advocate on my behalf. So the word helper, we've, I've used this word multiple times now. You've heard me say it. It's a Greek word. It comes from a Greek word, parakletos or, or parakletos, parakletos or parakletos, um, which means to be called alongside. It has the idea of being an intercessor, um, to be one who gives strength, a counselor. Um, and then the big word or the big idea here today is this word means an advocate, an advocate. Now, you might be asking the question, why do we need an advocate or why do I need an advocate? And the answer to that question is super simple. We need an advocate because we have an accuser. Every single one of us has an accuser. Who is this, you might ask? Surely you know it is Satan or the devil. Satan or the devil is the accuser of the brethren, Scripture talks about. Matter of fact, Revelations 12.10 says it this way. I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of, God, of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. Listen, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, defeated, who accuses them day and night before God. Why do we need an advocate? We need an advocate because every single one of us have an accuser who does not take a moment off, day and night. Satan, the accuser, the adversary, the devil stands before God and levels accusations against you and me. Without rest, he relentlessly accuses you and me of past sins, of things that maybe we feel like we should be ashamed of, accusing us, accusing us of not being real Christians or not really being saved or not really being forgiven or not really being accepted into the kingdom of God. He goes as far as to even trying, when, when Jesus came out of the Jordan River and was led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil, he accuses Jesus of maybe not being the son of God. He said to him over and over again, if you are the son of God, do you hear the accusatory tone in that question? If you are the son of God, then prove it by doing these things. This same devil, this same Satan accuses you and me. I'm sure every single one of us has had and continually has internal dialogue about these things. The sin that we've participated in, the shame that we feel, the struggles that we have, the attitudes, the frustrations, the, the fatigue that is settled in even in the season that we're in now. And we wrestle internally often about Am I really accepted by God? Does God really forgive me? Am I really a Christian? You know, all of these things are happening. The reason why those questions are coming up is because we have an accuser. 
who is constantly bombarding us, trying to get us to second guess the love of God towards us, trying to get us to second guess, maybe even abandon our position in the kingdom of God as children of the living God. We have an accuser. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says this, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The idea here is this this adversary, the devil, is roaming around. He's looking, he's accusing, he's he's hoping to find someone who will give in to the accusation so that he can devour their hearts, he can devour their spirits, he can crush them, he can break them, he can he can um, bring them to a place where they give up hope, they give up faith. Why do we need an advocate? We need an advocate because we have an accuser. Now, the word Satan is actually a noun. If you look it up in the Greek, it's a root word. It's a noun. And it simply means adversary uh, or prosecutor. Adversary or prosecutor. The word devil, on the other hand, oftentimes we use the word devil as a proper noun, as a name. But the word devil actually isn't a proper noun. It's, it's an adjective. It's probably best understood, the word devil, as a job description more than a name. And so in the Greek, the word devil is diablos, diablos, D-I-A-B-O-L-O-S, diablos. And it means this, someone who's slanderous, someone who accuses falsely, who defames, someone who unjustly criticizes to hurt and condemn someone to, or, and condemns with the intent to sever a relationship, uh, has the idea of a backbiter. Again, an adjective. This, this is what this devil does, backbites. And diabolos is a compound word of, of two Greek words. The first word being dia, which means through. And the second word, balos, which means to throw. If you put these two words together, it simply means to cast or to throw through. Diabolos. It's an adjective. It's a descriptor, a job description of Satan, the prosecutor or our adversary. Why am I telling you this? Because it's important to know this is what we face. The accuser who night, day and night is going before the Father, day and night is bombarding you and me with accusations. This is his job description to throw accusations at us with the intent to, with the intent to break through and destroy us. If you take these two words together, this diablos, dia and balos, and you put these two words together into this word devil, it paints a vivid picture of the devil's job description, which looks like this. One who repetitiously throws accusations at the mind, striking again and again until he ultimately penetrates the mind with his slanderous lies and relationship-destroying insinuations. Let me read that one more time. 
when we, when we hear this word Diablos, when we see this word devil, here's what we have to understand, that this should paint a vivid picture for us. This is the job description of the devil, one who repetitiously, repetitiously throws accusations at the mind, striking again and again until he ultimately penetrates the mind with his slanderous lies and relationship-destroying insinuations. The devil is trying this adversary that we have, this accuser that we have, is trying to continuously, continuously, repetitiously, without stopping, throw slanderous lies into our minds, into our hearts, trying to create a division between us and God. And we should not give in to this. We have an advocate. We have the Holy Spirit who will stand in for us, who will come alongside us, who will counsel us, who will get in the way of these accusations and speak on our behalf the truth. Now, let's talk just briefly about the accuser and the advocate. We could spend a lot of time breaking down this idea of the advocacy of the Holy Spirit. But I want to talk in just one particular realm here regarding the, the accuser and the advocate and sort of put them side by side on the intentions and how those intentions of the accuser and the advocate work out in our lives. So for instance, with the accuser, the intention of the accuser is to condemn. Like the, the, the baseline um, motivation of the accuser, the devil, our adversary, is to condemn us. Remember, the scripture says that for those, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the spirit of life has set us free from the spirit of sin and death, or the law of sin and death. Right, So there's no condemnation in Jesus, but the, the, the platform, the basis, the motivating uh, drive of the accuser is to condemn us, to make us feel unworthy, to make us feel condemned, to make us feel like we don't belong, make us feel like maybe God doesn't love us, feel like, like, like we uh, are, are undeserving or unworthy of the love of God. And while the accuser's baseline is to condemn the advocate comes along, and rather than condemning, so let me say this. How many know that, I mean, every single one of us, myself included, we do dumb things. Like, we are sinners. The Bible tells us clearly that we commit sin. And when we commit sin, we feel bad about that committing the sin. And so as, as we approach that, or that is, is um, being processed in our hearts, the accuser comes and condemns us for that sin. God's not going to love you anymore. God is angry at you. God wants to punish you for your sin. And while the accuser brings condemnation, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, brings conviction. And that conviction is this, that this is not who you are. That your body doesn't belong to you. It was bought with a price. Jesus loves you so greatly that he, that he died for these sins that you're committing. The Father loves you so greatly that he just is waiting for you to turn and run to him. These sins do not surprise the Father. The Father is 
has paid the price and the son has paid the price for these sins. So there's, there's a conviction. Both of them are saying, listen, it's not right that you've sinned, but one's intention is to condemn you in the sinfulness and the other's intention is to convict you of the sinfulness. It moves into the second part. The condemnation that the accuser brings is intended to shame you, to bring fear and control into your life. Many of you heard me talk about this before. I think about Adam and Eve in the garden when they ate of the fruit. And as soon as they ate of the fruit, the cloud of glory lifted and they were naked. They realized they were naked and they were shamed. And then they hid from God. Shame, fear, control. They realized they were naked and they were ashamed. They heard God coming. They were afraid. So they hid control. This is what the accuser tries to do. He tries to bring condemnation so that you can feel ashamed for your life, your actions, your activity, your thoughts. And in that shame, he can bring deep fear. And with that fear, great control. Whereas the advocate, when we mess up, when we sin, the Holy Spirit comes and brings conviction. And in bringing conviction, the Holy Spirit reminds us that we're our beloveds and he is ours. Reminds us of the price that Jesus paid for us. And here's what happens. It brings a godly sorrow into our hearts and leads us in the way of repentance. When we recognize that we've fallen short, we recognize that this, this, um, this sinfulness in our heart has created a problem with us and God. It is, it is causing an issue in our relationship. And it's not God's issue, it's our issue. And God, through the Holy Spirit, is wooing us through conviction into godly sorrow to feel this deep, godly remorse for the things that we've done reminds us of whose we are reminds us of who we are and leads us into a way of repenting to turn from our sinfulness and receive fresh the forgiveness of God and then lastly what happens the accuser who condemns brings shame fear and control the whole um the whole process that the condemnation the accuser brings has one purpose, and that purpose is to drive us away from God. Remember, diablos, to, to penetrate, to, to throw accusation until it penetrates and then divides, in particularly regarding relationships, separating or severing relationships. And so the goal of the accuser is to bring condemnation, shame, fear, and control to drive us away from God. To feel as if God no longer wants to have anything to do with us and that we would walk away or, or, or in shame and fear, hide from God, run away from God. And the Holy Spirit comes in as our advocate, bringing the conviction of God, a godly sorrow and repentance with one goal in mind, to draw us close to God. The book of James tells us to submit to God. Come under the authority of God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the accusations of the devil and he will flee from you. It goes on to say, draw near to God 
This is the intention of our advocate who stands with us, who speaks, who, who, who counsels us in the ways of, of God, who teaches us the things of God. He brings us a heart of conviction, of godly sorrow and repentance, leading us, drawing us into the presence of God, drawing us closer to God. I hope you're understanding this that the, the accuser and the advocate, and the advocate is always victorious over the accuser. There's never been a moment where the Holy Spirit, our advocate, has lost to the accuser. If we'll just allow the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, allow the advocacy of the Holy Spirit to stand in for us, to plead our case, will have the victory over our accuser. Now, let me finish with this summary. It's a quote from Pastor Ty Gibson. He says this, Satan's primary work is accusation. The Holy Spirit's primary work is advocacy. Satan stands against sinners with condemnation. The Holy Spirit stands in their favor with grace. Church, I want to encourage you today. We have an advocate, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And why do we need this advocate? Because we have an adversary, the devil, the accuser, roaming around, doing his best to separate us from the presence of God. But don't give in to the accuser. Let the advocate step in for you. Let the advocate, the Holy Spirit, do the work in your heart that brings us closer to our God. Let me pray. Father, we're so thankful that you sent the Spirit. That you said, it's better that I go to the Father because if I don't go, I can't send the Spirit. So you desire to send the Spirit to dwell within us, to be our advocate, our helper, our counselor. Let us lean in. Let us trust and rest in the hope that we have of the Holy Spirit, our advocate, dwelling in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, let me pray this blessing over you before you go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening. It's our desire to lead people to know Christ and to make him known. If you'd like to support the ministry of Hope Assembly, go to hopeassembly.org. Thank you for listening and God bless.